Hey, Keith, uh, it's been a while since we've spoken, and uh, it just gets me that in that time we lost a beloved fixture in pop culture. Oh, yeah, Doris Day was a real shocker. Mm, not Doris Day. Uh, what? Tim Conway was huge, too. Great, and I loved him, but I, I meant Grumpy Cat. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Keith Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Well, maybe it's one of those other shows, like Outer Limits. Confuse the Twilight Zone with the Outer Limits? Do you even know me? Geek Counter Geek number 136. Keith Conrad at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter, joined as always by Elliot Serrano at Elliot Serrano on Twitter. And uh, Elliot, I don't know uh, if if you've watched this at all, but uh, since uh, Game of Thrones has been uh, off the air now, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in just a little while, uh, I, I've just become obsessed with the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Everyone has been talking about Chernobyl. Um, my friend Julie DeCaro. Uh, who's a sports uh, radio personality over on 670 to score. You can also follow her on Twitter. She's a great follow. Um, She's been begging everyone, please, somebody watch Chernobyl so I can talk to somebody about it. (laughs) I know know Julie as well. I I actually hadn't noticed that on Twitter, so I'll have to to, to, uh, mention that to her. Yeah, tell her, hey, I'm watching Chernobyl too. We can uh, we can talk about it. Um, it's a, a really interesting meme as well that's been going around. If any, if nobody's seen it, um, the meme is um, where do Game of Thrones actors go when they die, and they show up on Chernobyl <laughs> because they had all these uh, character uh, Game of Thrones actors who were playing, um, of course, their characters on the the now concluded fantasy series and then right next to that are pictures of themselves as the characters are playing in Chernobyl which is uh, kind of funny like the BBC all these BBC shows they use the same actors for everything right I guess yeah. HBO does the same does it I, I I could definitely see that you know there's a lot of the same uh, producers involved and uh, you know so they they have a history plus obviously they they made a name for themselves on uh, on on Game of Thrones so you know, they, they, they're probably going to be a little bit busier now than they were before. Yeah, you know, you want to, whenever you're casting these roles, of course, on the one hand, you have someone say, oh, they really looked apart. Then there's also that advantage of saying, of knowing, oh, you know what? I worked with this guy for six months on a crap set out in the middle of nowhere where we were almost killed by the sun or froze to death, and they didn't turn into a diva. Let's have them on our show. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, like uh, uh, Jared Harris was giving an interview, and he was talking about how uh, um, it was it was probably the least fun set he's ever worked on just because – you're literally working in this, you know, you're, you're, you're doing this series about this, this horrible nuclear accident in a socialist hellscape. It, it, it's just kind of hard to joke. Oh, uh, nuclear accident in a socialist hellscape. Are we talking about a uh, three mile Island? What? Uh, <laughs> 
you know, the, actually, actually, kind of, kind of close to that. Yeah, actually, yeah. because I, I've seen all this uh, stuff on Chernobyl. Then I, I, of course, went down the Wikipedia a rabbit hole, learning about Three Mile Island too. So, uh, I, I could probably tell you all you needed to know about that one. Which, uh, I, actually, I, I was kind of surprised, you know, considering the the impact that Three Mile Island had, it was is surprisingly like. Uh, surprisingly tame i i guess i was expecting something to be kind of like chernobyl where you know it was this horrible uh you know ho- horrible combination of design flaws and idiots running the place that that caused it it turned out it was just it was just an accident and actually the the impact wasn't all that huge hopefully we'll be saying the same about the 2016 election but you know we'll go from there <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, here's the thing. I don't know with all this talk about, like, of, of course, Chernobyl reflecting on really what was uh, a, a tremendous tragedy. And as you said, design flaws. And in, in reality, I mean, nuclear power today is safer than it was then. Yeah. Well, see, still, see, that's one of the things that there, bothers there, me about there this. There is a sort of a specter of like if something goes awry with a nuclear power plant, right? You know, everything gets really bad altogether. Unlike, okay, my solar farm breaks down. <laughs> oh no! You know, I guess we're going to be lighting candles tonight, or my wind farm won't turn. You know, um, and, and with all this talk going on with um, talking about green energy and the new green deal, you have all these all these uh, people from the nuclear power industry saying, "Hey, you need to be talking about nuclear power when it comes to green energy." And then everyone can say, "Oh, no, 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 we're watching Chernobyl on HBO. You're, you're, we're not going down that road." Well, that's the thing, like. Uh, uh especially at the end of uh, episode four, which is the most recent one when we're, when we're taping this, the, the finale is this coming, uh, is this coming week. They're, they're talking about a design, a, a design flaw in the, in this, this particular type of reactor and how, you know, basically they, they come to the conclusion that yes, these people were, were a-holes or, or the guy, the, the guy that was running the plant at the time that this test was going on was a jerk and an idiot. And that's why this happened. But Hey, there was also this design flaw and I'm listening to them talk about it, about how, Oh, we have to bring people's attention to this design flaw. And I'm thinking, well, this design flaw wouldn't have been a flaw if this guy hadn't been an idiot. So, you know, it really wasn't the, it really wasn't the plant's fault. It was the fact that this guy was running a test with the power as low as it was, which they had told him not to. So if they had done what he had, what they had told him to, it wouldn't have happened anyway. So, you know, it's a poor craftsman that blames his tools. To me, the whole thing, I mean, it, uh, maybe this isn't exactly the same type of parallel. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right from the get go because I don't want to offend or insult anyone. Um, but remember when we were talking about what happened with the Challenger, and you know they discovered uh, people in the beginning were saying chances are part of the shielding got knocked off during the launch, and everyone kept saying that wasn't possible, that wasn't possible, that wasn't going to happen, and then later on they found out that's actually what happened. Right. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that would have been Columbia. 
I'm sorry, Columbia, correct. Yeah. Um, so it's like when you have a lot of really smart people in the room and they're really determined to say is the right thing to do, they their egos will kind of keep them from, you know, um, going against what, you know, what their own, how they know things tends to go. Now, of course, when it came to Columbia, the folks at, you know, at NASA and all that, they uh, ultimately came around to the reality that what they were discounting in the beginning ended up being what caused the, the, the disaster. Um, and looking at Chernobyl as well, let's be honest, you know, it, it, a lot of the stuff that happens on, the, the, on a show like that, they play it up for dramatic effect. So some people who might have just been very earnest in their beliefs are coming across as not nice people. Well, the uh, you, you're uh, never going to hear me play the advocate like that for for for, <laughs> for people responsible for the nuclear disasters ever again. <laughs> uh, yeah, mar- mark that one down in the in the history books of uh, Geek Counter Geek. <laughs> uh, but but when really smart people think they're right, it's really hard to change their minds. That's true. Um, so. Uh, 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 episode four, which is the most recent one, uh, I will say that uh, um, half of the episode is basically revolving around the fact that they had to go out and kill all of the animals in the in the exclusion zone. Uh, so that kind of sucks because you do you know I, I'm just gonna just gonna warn you they they basically it's a it's at least twenty minutes of this hour long episode is them shooting dogs. So that's yeah. really bad, but it is actually, you know, it is something that happened. So, you know, it's not like they're doing that to be gratuitous. They're just trying to show just how bad and, and how how widespread this, this thing went. But the other half of the episode is dealing with the, uh, basically, they're, they're trying to clean up the immediate uh, radioactive debris so that they can build the sarcophagus over the whole thing. And they, um, they basically, they say, okay, there's these three sections of the roof. And on this section of the roof, you can stay for two hours and then you're going to die. This section of the roof, you can stay for one hour and then you're going to die. And this segment of the roof, you can stay for two minutes and then you're going to die. And then they say, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take these rovers that the Soviet space program developed to, to go to the the moon and we're going to use we're going to stick a little plow thing on the front of them and we're going to use that to push the debris off of the uh, off of the roof and it works on two of the three roofs until they get to the third one and the radioactivity is is just so high that it, it literally fries the rover and so they, there, yeah, that's, it's like what happened at the when they talk about just happened in, it happens at Fukushima they're, they're yeah, having exactly. the exact same problems yeah. with that yeah and then, uh, and then the the third one, they actually get a a rover, a, another type of rover, from uh, West Germany, and they, tur- they they this is supposed to work, and they drop it on the roof and they turn it on and it immediately fries, and they can't figure <laughs> out why. And then the uh, the head Soviet guy calls up uh, his boss, and they learn that. Oh, we only told the Germans that it was two thousand rent can an hour, not fifteen thousand, because we didn't want them to know how bad the disaster was. 
and this rover can only work at 2000 ratkin per hour of radiation. And, uh, um, so they literally come to the conclusion, we can't send any robots into this place. We have to send people. And so they decide to send people 90 seconds at a time, because again, you can go for two minutes and then you'll die. So they're going to send people for 90 seconds at a time. So they literally have to get thousands upon thousands of soldiers that literally they're pulling people off of the line in Afghanistan, sending them to Chernobyl. They run out on the roof for 90 seconds, scooping out uh, graphite and uh, dumping it over the edge into the, into the reactor and then run back out and then they're sent back to Afghanistan. Like literally, they have 3,800 troops that some of them, they literally just pulled them off of the line and said, here, do this for 90 seconds and then go back and, and, and kill people in Afghanistan. And they actually have a scene that's like one shot showing one person's entire 90-second shift dumping debris off the roof. And it is just so well-made and, and uh, so brilliantly filmed. It's just, it's amazing. And like that alone should probably win them an, an Oscar or an Emmy or whatever it would be. Well, two things. One, speaking as an animal lover, it, it breaks my heart that that sort of thing happened and actually happened. But when you think about it, it was probably more humane than allowing these animals to die, you know, suffering from the radiation. Right. One. Yeah. But two, you're telling me that bin Laden fought radioactive Soviet troops in Afghanistan? That's a story. You know, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yes, he he literally did. He literally did. <laughs> wow. See, see, that seems like it could be a series all itself. Hey, I wonder if uh, these uh, the, these Soviet soldiers talk about you know, you know, did they tell stories later on about about you know glowing in the dark in in, <laughs> in those in those Afghan tunnels. Well, it's actually it's actually funny because uh, in the first episode, uh, this guy Dyatlov, who's the guy running the plant at the time that this test happened, when the accident happened, he is one hundred percent in denial that the reactor happened, that the the reactor blew up, and so one of the head communist guys he says that literally the sky is glowing. He's like, oh no, that that's normal. That that's normal. You're you're not seeing anything. Where it's just like, oh, um, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're doing that exact same thing right now when it comes to, you know, uh, things uh, attributed to climate change. Ah, sure. Six, uh, you know, a hundred more tornadoes than we're accustomed to are hitting the Midwest. That's normal. That happens every, every once in a while. You know, yeah, flooding in Oklahoma, of course. Yeah, that happens Oklahoma's all the time. Oklahoma's known for its flooding. It's practically a tourist destination. Pretty much, they need uh, they they need to get ducks down there. Those amphibious, um, those oh, amphibious yeah. Yeah. thingies to do tours. Uh, that would that would be a good idea. Uh, also, a good idea would be going to uh, tweakedaudio.com and buying your headphones and headphones accessories. Oh yeah, because I'm gonna tell you right now, if you are looking for um, earbuds, headphones. 
um, uh, both with uh, wired and wireless. You go to tweakedaudio.com. You're going to find all different styles, all different colors. Um, You're going to find all different price points. And here's a great thing. Let's say you see a pair of headphones that you really like, but it's just out of your budget. Guess what? If you enter the code GCG at checkout, you will get 33% off your total purchase price. It's 33% off and add to that free worldwide shipping. So if you're one of those people like, you know, you are going to go online and buy something and it's $20, but it's, it's like an additional $8 shipping. You're like, uh-uh. And then you find that same item for $28, but free shipping. And you go, uh-huh. Well, guess what? You're not going to get, you know, uh, jerked around like that. Cause you're going to get 33% off the total price and free worldwide shipping. And of course, you want to use those uh, those new headphones that you get to listen to all of the the quality uh, programming here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including uh, Geek Counter Geek, um, you know, Minutia Men and uh, Lasano and Friends. So they they just wrapped up their new season. Uh, so you have to uh, you have to check that out. And uh, I, I believe our friend uh, Stephanie has a, has a new podcast of her own. I, I think the dishing bitches are no more. And uh, Stephanie is, is uh, not flying solo, but, but she's, uh, she's, she's doing her own, uh, her, her own thing. It's a spinoff, kind of like um, um, you had, uh, you know, uh, Cheers spin-off into Frasier. Right. You know, the dishing the dishing bitches have done their spin-off as well. And you know, I'm sure you're gonna get a lot of great quality conversation. Uh, just like you would. Um oh I can never forget mentioning the Caffeinated Comics podcast ah, yes. with a friend of the show with friend of the show John Clark and Stephen Brown, where they always they often have me on there uh, to talk about different topics that uh, overlap into the world of geekdom. And uh, speaking of spinoffs, you know, we, we just t- created our, our own spinoff of Chernobyl with the, the radioactive uh, Russian soldiers uh, fighting bin Laden. But um, uh, <laughs> I mean, as you're describing that, I'm going, holy crap, I don't know who I've been more impressed with. Uh, the soldiers are bin Laden, you know, because the soldiers could be like working that up to some serious, you know, get some serious mojo juju going down there. And I, I was in Chernobyl. I walked in and I was I walked out and now I have superpowers like like the Americans want to have. But I have. That was yeah. my really bad Russian uh, Russian imitation. I, I think that was cultural appropriation <laughs> and you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm often ashamed of myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, uh, the, the big news uh, today, uh, as we're recording this, is that uh, a Star Wars Galaxy's Edge has opened. And I'm just wondering, um, why are you here talking to me? Why are you not uh, there right now? Because here's this thing. Just so you know, and um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be honest because there are a lot of folks who they look at me and they go, Elliot, you're like this big geek guy in Chicago. I mean, you were at Star Wars Celebration and, and there, there was all this great stuff and whenever it comes to Star Wars, we expect you to be there. Well, one, I didn't make the cut as far as getting an invite to the great big open, which is Aww. fine. It was, 
Yeah, I know. A whole bunch of my friends, though, did make the cut, and I got to also live vicariously through them, watching uh, their their social media posts and so on. Um, but also, let's be honest, when, uh, when it comes down to going to uh, uh, Disneyland and Galaxy's Edge when it finally opens, that is going to be a pretty penny there. And um, well, seeing some of the um, some of the cool sites and stuff that were going on there, I was very impressed. But then I heard about some of the prices. Holy moly! Do not. I mean, if you you know when uh, you take your kid to the grocery store and you're checking out. And they put all that candy and stuff like right at the checkout, so the kid, your kid, nags you for some of it. Yeah. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is essentially that, but everywhere, all these things that your kids are going to be begging you for, and it's not going to cost. Check out candy store prices. Well, yeah, I, I did notice uh, uh, kind of in the same vein that uh, um, you can buy a life-sized R two D two in uh, in one or more of the gift shops. Uh, but it's $25,000. So $25,000. Yeah. Which, um, and I know a lot of folks, um, who work in the R2, R2 builders club. Um, and you know, they're the folks who will build their own replicas of R2D2, which are also remote controlled and look just like the one in the movie. And, um, they, they don't, sp- I don't think they spend that much money on it. Mind you, they also have a lot of expertise and can buy the parts and build it themselves. If you lack that expertise, you know, you're going to pay for it um, in, in, in quite a bit of a markup. They have costumes there. You could buy your own um, stormtrooper outfit there as well. The, a stormtrooper armor um, at uh, galaxy's edge. If I remember correctly, it's going to cost you about seven grand. And wow. uh, you, you can, yeah, and you can buy that same kit from Anovos directly for much less than that. Um, yeah, I think I'll pass on that. Uh, so, so I, let, let me ask you this though: uh, How long do you think it'll be before the uh, the lines die down to the point where uh, uh, it would actually be worth seeing, and you're not spending your entire time just waiting in lines? That's a good question, because um, first off, for those who weren't aware, to go to Galaxy's Edge just the first month that it's open, it, it opens officially on the uh, uh, this uh, this weekend. It opens officially. So they did a nice – they did a media open this week, and the 31st is when it officially opens. And to be able to just even get a reservation to get into Galaxy's Edge. Now, mind you, Galaxy's Edge is not, it's like a separate park or anything. It's just one of the parks within Disneyland. It's like one of the sections of Disneyland. It's 14 acres, but it's still part of Disneyland. So if let's let's say you had a ticket to go to Disneyland, you can go anywhere else in the park except Galaxy's Edge. Which would really like I'd be like oh there it is I can't get in what oh no and then add to that the only way you could get a reservation was if you stayed at a hotel on the properties one of the hotel one of the three main hotels then you get then you can get access to a reservation and then add to that you have to go at a designated time and you can only stay in the in that part of the park for four hours and once your four hours are up. They kick you out. Wow. Now, the word, word is that at the end of June, 
there it uh, it'll be open at that point there, there you won't have um it, the open reservations will be will be fine um i don't know if they're going to have that time limit the thing that gets me is for that area because there's only one ride there right now and that's the um the millennium falcon the smugglers run where you get to fly the millennium falcon you know everyone that goes to galaxy's edge is going to go straight to the millennium falcon so they can so they can you know have that experience and they're going to use most of that time that they have just waiting in line for that ride yeah yeah especially for the first few months so you know i i look forward to seeing it in about uh oh 2023 or so <laughs> possibly i know i know for me if if i even get if i can even go um the earliest would be 2020 uh but again um, it's pricey, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, I'm sure it's a wonderful experience and Disney really knows how, knows how to do it, but they also raise the ticket prices every time, you know, they, um, they, they, they do something like this. Uh, so if you want to eat while you're there, it's a, you know, it's going to cost you a pretty penny there, there, uh, I heard now this is a thing that got me that kind of, you know, okay. Uh, if you want to build your own lightsaber, Okay, they have a shop there where you can build your own lightsaber. It's like a limited experience. They only do like eight, nine people at a time while you're doing it, or maybe up to a dozen. I'm not sure. But to build your own lightsaber, it'll cost you $200, right, to have your own lightsaber. Uh, the remote control R2-D2, you know, your life-size one, $2,500. Mm-hmm. The, 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 no, the $25,000. We already said Twenty-five thousand. Yeah. The stormtrooper armor, as I said, about seven thousand. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get all that. I get all that. This is where my jaw dropped. They have a cantina. They're doing a new cantina at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. If you ever wanted to go to the cantina from any of the cantinas from Star Wars, whether it be from A New Hope or um, or um, the one from The Force Awakens, right? You can buy alcoholic drinks there. They actually have alcoholic drinks. Well, okay. So uh, because of this, um, but, we're, we're going to have our, but, we're going to have our, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go on. You were going to have our, uh, we're going to have our very first uh, geek counter geek uh, reenactment here. Uh, you know, the cantina <laughs> scene, the, the cantina scene in, in, in star Wars, um, you're going to play, uh, you're going to play Luke and I'm going to, I'm going to play, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, the, the other guy, uh, the guy who's really, uh, Dr. Evazan. E- exactly. Yes. Okay. All right. You better right. watch yourself. We've got the death sentence on 12 systems. Well, you better watch yourself. Cause I just paid $18 for this drink. <laughs> You'll be poor. That's how much. Yes. <laughs> that's that's how much some of those drinks go. Eighteen dollars. That's like that's like having a margarita at at, at uh, Frontera. I mean, seriously. You know, it's Disney. Uh, and they'll only let you buy two drinks while you're there. You can't even really get your drink on at the happiest place on earth. So. You know, as much as I'm looking forward to going to, you know, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, I'm going to wait until I've saved up enough money so I can buy some fun souvenirs and just avoid the bar. Jeez, don't buy any souvenirs. Just buy a Tesla instead because you could afford it. (laughs) For those prices, for sure. 
speaking of uh, of uh, nerd rage, I, I think that enough time has passed that we can uh, we can we can break down the ending of Game of Thrones uh, without uh, spoiling it for anybody. Um, because uh, either you saw it or you're bragging to everybody about how you'd never watched any episodes of Game of Thrones. Uh, I, I have to say that uh, now, now, first of all, George R. R. Martin was, was like involved in, in crafting the story in some way. It's not like they just, they just went completely rogue on him and, and came up with some ending on their own. Right. Correct. Okay. In fact, I think the, the, the actor who plays Bran Stark, I forget his name. He says that George R.R. R. Martin actually suggested the quote-unquote twist ending of the series. Yeah, I, I figured that would be the case. You know, I, I figured he would be he would be involved in in some way. So, um, you know, if, if somebody is hoping that uh, you know the 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 book series when it's when it's finally finished uh, is going to uh, come up with something completely different. I think they're probably going to be a little disappointed. You know, I'm not entirely sure of that though. I mean, I can see, I, I understand what you're saying because especially if George R. R. Martin suggested that, but mind you, he's still in the process of writing this book. I mean, the way he's talking, uh, I'd be surprised if he was even halfway through it. I doubt he is. Jeez, he and writes he his another- novels slower than I do. <laughs> well, you know, when when uh, I would say uh, Keith get to work on it because HBO is looking for material. That's right? that's true. That, that's very true. That's, that's true. <laughs> but I can see George R. R. Martin going, "Wow, people were really pissed off about the television series. Maybe I'll go this way instead." Although, in, in all honesty, you know the way he writes, the way he writes his his writing from the way I understand is very organic, very character driven, and that's why it just takes him so long to write. Um, so I can see the the story growing in a different direction than he might have originally intended. I will say this: I've that's happened to me. I know a lot of times in some of the work I've done, I would say, "Okay, I know this is where I want the story to end." But it doesn't go there because the characters take it in a different direction. And, and that's all it's all a natural part of writing. I think to be true to your process, you know, you should do that. Um, I can also see, though, the way the show panned out kind of influencing how the books can be. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a significant difference in how the books end. Maybe similar, but still significantly different. And I and I'll say this. I mean, I, I know there were a lot of people who just thought that the ending was was terrible, and they were rest assured they were on the internet uh, expressing their outrage uh, immediately. Um, I I didn't think it was particularly bad. I just thought it was kind of meh. Well, it's to me um, the thing that has always impressed me about Game of Thrones is all the nuance that are in that were in some all these different episodes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I remember. Uh, I forget what season it was when Daenerys, they, they took over. Oh, I can't even remember the name of the land. They took over, but they, they freed all the slaves where the Unsullied were from. Uh, right? Marine. Marine. And, and they, and then Daenerys wanted to execute all the slave masters, you know, crucified them. And, and then now as her and her forces are like occupying this, 
this territory, she has to deal with the reality that slavery and many aspects of slavery is ingrained in the culture of the people and that there are things that she wants to get rid of that they refuse. They're, they're rebelling against it. So she kind of has to give into it and let them, you know, see, there's a, one, the one part, the one guy, um, he was a, he was a slave to a family, but, um, and he asked to be returned to the family that he was, he worked for because he actually had become part of their, their family, you know, part of the family unit. Um, and so, you know, she had to say, what if you go back, you're back to being a slave, blase, blase. There's just so, and of course, my own recap of it lacks all of the subtlety that that actual episode had, which is pretty much how this last six episodes were, you know, of Game of Thrones. So much subtlety, so many things, so much nuance, so many um, uh, moral um, uh, moral dilemmas that were just plain just steamrolled over for the sake of getting to the end of the story and and it's interesting because you know hbo wasn't going to tell them no you're only going to have this many episodes i mean it it was in hbo's interest to uh you know or it would have been would have been in their interest to to keep this going so if they had said you know what we need 10 episodes instead of six i i don't think there's any question that hbo would have given it to them especially since uh you know they have Chernobyl right now. Westworld doesn't come out until 2020, so they they got a kind of a big 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 hole for a while. You know I I don't think HBO would have cared much. Oh yeah, well, but you know the showrunners now. Um, you first you can I think Aaron Rodgers put it best. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, who did appear in uh, that final season on right. Game of Thrones as an extra, um, his I love his he was saying eh. You know what? The writers were working on Star Wars, so I guess they were pretty busy. (laughs) (laughs) So he he told these guys, were like, we've been working on this show for so many years. It's time to bring it home. Um, We could only go so much further past, you know, so much more past the books. You know, maybe if George R.R. Martin had completed the books and had the other one on the way, they probably would have thought, okay, you know, we'll keep going because the books keep going. Um, but without any source material, they're like, eh, let's end it here. And, um, there's that DNA though. I will say there was that DNA of, of the books really was missing from this final season. I mean, yes. Was the, was the ending a travesty? No, no. If you want a travesty of an ending, um, I will point to the Sopranos. <laughs> I will point. Yeah. I will point to lost and I will point to quantum leap to this day. I, I have t- I have such issues with series finales because of Quantum Leap. All right, so Game of Thrones didn't go anywhere near that. Um, the The fact that they 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 hit the the, the marker that they did to end it, um, you know, made sense to me. Uh, just that they did it, I don't think they really developed it well enough to justify that ending. Yeah, I I think that the like the the you know I get to your point the like if you just looked at bullet points of here's where all the characters end up 
I think everybody would would be would be pretty fine with that. You know, um, it, it's it's the fact that it seemed really hurried. At, le- at least to me, you know, I, I know there, there's plenty of uh, fanboys and girls who uh, who have had you know bigger complaints. But I think that to me, the biggest problem was that everything seemed really hurried at the end. Well, they, they they spent all this time setting things up that had no payoff, right? So so Arya asks, um, what's his face? Um, um, the the bastard um, was he a Baratheon? I can't remember. Uh, uh, Gedry, Gedry, Gedry to make her a special weapon, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's a you know this thing that can fire off uh, the end, the spear at the end, and it has to be made of dragon glass. Sure, fine. So you go, oh, are we ever going to see her actually use it the way it's designed? No, we never do. Um, during the attack of the Night King, when the Night King has overrun uh, Winterfell, and um, Bran is just sitting there at the tree, and Theon is uh, giving his life to you know the last that he has to 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 um, to protect Bran. At what point Bran just does the rolls the back the eyes back thing? I say he does the Undertaker eye roll mm-hmm. for those who watch wrestling, right? And next thing you know, Bran is like flying with with the the crows through the air going somewhere doing something and then we and then he comes back and like and then for no particular reason i kept thinking that that whole thing there is going to pay off later on it doesn't no right? it, it 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 doesn't like like people are dying all around him and he just he just does that for for some reason, and uh, right. also you know he he flat out says that uh, he doesn't want to be. Uh, he doesn't want to be Lord of uh, Winterfell because he says he's, uh, what does he say? He spends most of his time in the, in the past now. And then, yeah, uh, you know, and, and then, um, uh, you know, uh, a Tyrion says, Hey, why don't you be King of the, the six kingdoms? Oh yeah, sure. That's why I'm here. <laughs> well, I will say this. I will say this in kind of in defense of that particular plot. And cause I found it really interesting when, uh, you know, with the coda at the end, when, you know, Tyrion is at the table with, um, you know, with, um, Sam and, um, and the other guys, I forgot, um, uh, Bron. Bron and, um, the dude who couldn't read, but then he could read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, and you know they're talk, they have to talk about the matters of the kingdom and what they need to do. And then you know Bran rolls in, and he looks at everybody and goes, "Okay, guys, you, you can handle it from here." And he rolls out. And to me, it was like the whole where Bran. The way I saw it was Bran. He was acknowledging he's just a figurehead that he's not really going to be ruling the country. He's going to let these men be the ones who actually do all the work, which, um, you know, wasn't quite democracy, but, you know, kind of like parliamentary now. And who knows? It, it was a lot closer we'll to democracy than what they had before. So we'll, we'll, right. we'll go with I mean, that. He, he was going to be more of a figurehead that let talented people do the work, much like Ronald Reagan. Not sometimes that works this. out. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Even, even in even in Reagan's case, see, see, even even you, I know you're you're not a huge fan. You can you can probably say 
Some things worked out with Reagan, even if some things didn't. Okay, first term Reagan, I'll give him his credit. I was not happy with first term Reagan, but he got stuff done. Things were pretty, went pretty well. And I mean, and then let's see, let's face it. And, and, then, and then I think, uh, especially <laughs> when you look at how a president, uh, presidential administrations go, you have like the A team in the first term. And then after working like 24 hours a day, seven days a week for four years, everybody's like, you know what? That's enough. I'm out of here. You end up with the B team in the second term, and that's when things go kind of kind of sideways on you. Oh yeah, especially when you're you know your your figurehead is kind of losing his sense of time and what he does and what his name is and all that uh, kind of thing. Kind of like our current president. He he never our current president never knew it. Um, see see yeah. now that that's the funny thing you know like usually they burn out like after the first term. Trump, like he's on the he's on the the C or D team at this point because everybody's resigned. Or he's firing them. Yeah, that, you know? that too. Plus, there are a lot too. of there, there are a lot of positions he hasn't even filled yet. So, I, so then to the to that, I, I will give Brand credit for that. He got all his cabinet positions filled, and <laughs> and it worked there. And then, so then, fine. So th- that's that ending there. But then back to the whole thing, setting things up that make no sense. They make all this big thing about, you know, the Iron Fleet having the Scorpions. And they actually kill one of Danny's dragons. And it's supposed to make you think, ooh, this could not, this might not go Daenerys' way. And then literally within within about 10 minutes, she wipes out the entire Iron Fleet and all the Scorpions (laughs) at King's Landing. Right. I'm like, What? So it's like it was these guys were just completely ignoring the rule that if you introduce a gun in the first half, it must be in the first act, it must be fired in the third. They introduced a gun. They introduced a spear. They introduced um, some crows. (laughs) They introduced a guy who can see into the past and the future. And none of those things factored in the third act. No, no, they didn't. So here's the important question for us to tackle uh, wrapping up uh, this this edition of Geek Counter Geek. What are we going to call our Chernobyl spinoff about the irradiated soldiers of of Afghanistan? Teenage irradiated Afghan veterans. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cabotron.